0: After being rebuffed twice by the state legislature, Governor Kathy Hochul is taking a new tact in her months-long effort to grow the pace of new housing construction in New York, announcing recently that the state will tap into 650 million dollars of discretionary funding to reward local governments willing to seriously address their housing supply. To discuss this incentive, as well as a series of executive actions taken by the governor, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by New York Home and Community Renewal Commissioner Ruth Ann Visnowskis. Welcome back to the show, Commissioner.
1: Thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
0: It's our pleasure. So can you explain how the governor is hoping to use millions of dollars in grants to award so-called pro-housing communities?
1: We announced this last week, and we are excited to probably open the formal application in about a week. And localities will be able to apply and sort of certify themselves as a pro-housing community. And and there'll be sort of two different ways they can do that. One is through um, taking a a local action to sort of create consensus in their locality around streamlining obstacles, promoting more housing growth, um, those types of things. And the sort of second track will be if you are growing already sort of per some of the growth guidelines that were outlined in the compact. So you can sort of take one of the two different tracks, submit to us and get certified. And then once you're certified, we've laid out in the announcement a series of funding programs that are state programs that localities apply to. So this is really, you know, targeted towards the localities and they will get additional points in those programs. And we can add more over time if they are in fact a pro housing community. So we think it's a way for localities that are either growing or are doing the right thing around housing to be able to get some credit for that uh, when they go apply for state funds.
0: And when we talk about localities that might be able to be labeled as pro-housing communities. Are we talking about the whole range of local governments in New York, whether it's villages, towns, or counties, or is this specifically tailored to specific types of localities?
1: It'll be villages, towns, and cities. So localities that generally have control over their um, housing growth in in more um, specific ways. Um, So yeah, villages, towns, counties, cities.
0: And what are the types of discretionary funding where, communities could essentially be prioritized as a result of this pro-housing initiative?
1: So the programs would include things like the Downtown Revitalization Initiative, DRI, which is a really wonderful program administered by the Department of State, uh, the New York Forward Program. In the regional council process, there's a capital fund that's administered by ESD that localities apply to. We have a program called the New York Main Street Program that locality apply to to make improvements along their main streets. And um, a couple others, including the Long Island Investment Fund, the Mid-Hudson Momentum Fund. Those are two um, funds administered both by ESD. We have a fund in there uh, for DOT around public transportation modernization. And look, as we go along, if we want to add other um, funding programs, we can. This is really just our first start to say, these are the ones we're going to prioritize for this next funding round.
0: Now, if localities initiate plans that would represent smart growth or growth that the whole administration wants to see, yet they don't end up realizing the growth in new homes that you would have liked to see. Can they still benefit from this program?
1: We tried to make it so that you can either be growing and get certified, or if you're not growing to take a series of other actions that are really around Um, starting a public dialogue and um, sort of certifying locally that you will remove obstacles to housing, that you will affirmatively further for housing, you know, other types of sort of pro-housing actions, but really just something that's more like passing a local ordinance and not actually having to take specific actions in terms of actually growing, because we understand that not all places um, can grow, but still do in fact have a, a lot of the elements we are looking for for localities to be demonstrating that they are trying to promote housing growth locally.
0: And if I am a community that is growing year to year, I am building up my housing stock. Will I need to actually apply for this grant money, apply for the bonus points for some of the other discretionary funds, or will the state automatically recognize the growth in my area and take the considerable steps?
1: So you'll have to submit your data to HCR. So we'll be able to track that you're growing and and we'll have a very simple sort of interface where localities can send us their permit data and we can show that they are growing year by year. But then once we receive that and we certify you, then we will be able to share that information with other agencies so they will know what localities are pro-housing communities and be able to take that into consideration when they are evaluating the applications they get through their programs.
0: And if I'm a community where housing growth has been largely stagnant in in recent years and I hear about this incentive and I decide that it's going to motivate us to build up our supply and we see, say, housing growth of 3% annually and it brings us on par with, say, a community that's always had 3% growth and continues to have 3% growth, will both areas have access to the same sort of bonus points for accessing discretionary funds? Or will there be a recognition of the real change in dynamic in that first example?
1: Well, look, this is the first year of the program. So I think for everybody, it's going to be the first time they get certified, whether or not they've been growing steadily for 10 years or only in their first year. So it's kind of a function, I think, of launching the program is there will be some newness to this first year. But going forward, I think that's a fair question as to as communities continue to grow and maybe others do not. What does that look like as the a program continues? And so I think that will be open for discussion, as I think will many of the other policies and strategies we've been talking about related to housing, you know, will be continue, I think, to be in the dialogue as we go forward um, into next year and beyond.
0: We have finally, on this incentives idea, when you and I spoke in the spring about the legislative focus on incentives to grow housing, you noted that in states where incentives were what they relied on to grow their housing supply, they didn't get the housing production that they wanted. So what are your expectations for this incentive? What type of new housing or amount of new housing or, or rate of new housing are you expecting to see with this incentive?
1: When we started out and we're talking about the housing compact writ large, we were able to look at the different mechanisms and policies we were putting in place and how much housing we thought they would produce. And we we, we talked about that in context of how much housing we thought we needed over the next 10 years. As you'll remember, we, did four, we built 400,000 units over the last decade. Assuming we do nothing, we would expect that we would get about the same housing production over the next decade. But we felt we needed to double that to 800,000. So an incremental 400,000 in order to meet demand across the state. So we were able to do that because we were requiring folks to do different things and to grow basically. And we could we could look across the state and see what those numbers looked like. It's very hard here. As you said, we talked to other states and they all said that incentives didn't work. And that's why we didn't propose them. And that's why we didn't propose them the first time. And assuming we were going to come back a second or third time, we really felt strongly that we needed the real growth factor to be in place from the get-go. So I think it's hard here with this program for us to really predict how much housing because we don't have a requirement that anybody actually grow. But we do think that it is important from a transparency and a data perspective to start looking at places that are growing and how much they're growing. So doing this designation program allows us to get data from localities and allows us to sort of build up, I think, in the in a public and transparent way, a real reflection of communities that are growing in the state and those that are not and what it really looks like. So I think it helps lay some foundation for future discussions about where the growth is happening and where it's not and why.
0: But to be clear, though, you're saying you guys don't have expectations for prioritizing 650 million dollars?
1: Uh, Because we're not requiring any community to apply, we don't really know who will apply and who will not. So uh, that's sort of some of the basis and the foundation for why going into the original housing compact, we weren't doing it as an incentive-based program because you don't know who's going to apply and who's not. So we're going to open this up next week and we're going to hope that localities apply and we will certify them as quickly as we can, but we don't know until we open it up.
0: So this isn't the only step the governor's taking to try to increase the rate of new housing construction in New York. What else among the executive actions that the governor has recently announced do you think will have a significant impact or or could have a significant impact moving forward?
1: Well, as folks probably saw, we announced a program in the Gowanus area of Brooklyn, to uh, allow developers and developments to work with ESD in order to get a sort of 421A-like benefit, which is a benefit that goes for the new construction of rental housing in the city of New York and requires an affordable set aside of units. Normally, it's 25%. In some places, it can be 30% of the units. That program expired with the legislature. Um, The governor proposed it in not this past, but the year before's session. And the legislature has been, you know, for the most part, sort of unwilling to engage in re-upping and and putting in a new version of that program. And the governor was fairly clear when the legislative session ended that she was gonna try to do whatever she could in the tools that she has as governor to try to make sure that housing production gets built. So starting off here in the Gowanus area, we are going to allow uh, developments that were part of the Gowanus rezoning area, which was a a long-fought rezoning by the community in the Gowanus neighborhood to create up to about 8,500 units of housing there There are some sites that started and are in construction, um, but there are a lot of stalled sites. So the program that she announced will allow, um, as I said, sort of developers to work with ESD to be able to get those tax benefits and be able to get construction started and ultimately, you know, the real goal here, deliver those affordable housing units for the community that really wanted and needed them so badly.
0: Can that workaround on 421A work elsewhere in New York City? Are there other sites that you are targeting for a similar growth of affordable housing?
1: So it's not uncommon for IDAs actually across the state to provide um, tax benefits to properties for housing. So sort of doing the model is not that new. It's just not commonly done in New York City because we've had this as a right incentive incentive. So I think our perspective is we were going to start it here in the Gowanus and work through the kinks of how it may or may not work. And then I think we'll go from there in terms of whether we expand it or whether we work uh, with the legislature and, and industry um, next year to be able to get folks back to the table with a revised program. I think we have a little bit of time to see um, for all of that to play out. But I think we're happy to be able to get some housing production started that has been stalled um, and, and really is much needed.
0: Outside of New York City, we heard from State Senator Monica Martinez earlier this year, a Long Island Democrat, about legislation she has that would ensure that local economic development agencies have the authority to use some of their subsidies like tax breaks to go toward affordable housing construction. Is it your sense that these economic development agencies around the state already have that authority? Or do you think there needs to be legislative action to see them take the types of steps that would incentivize affordable housing?
1: I think it is a tool that has been around for a long time for IDAs. And I think it is used, you know, somewhat differently, depending on whether you're in um, Long Island or the Hudson Valley or upstate. So I think uh, some of maybe what her bill is looking at is sort of streamlining some of that. But I certainly think it's something that has been around and sort of tried and true as a as a as a mechanism. And, and that's certainly a good place to start.
0: So you don't think there's a gap in statutory authority, though, right now? There might be some administrative hurdles, but in terms of having that authority to use taxpayer subsidies like tax breaks uh, toward the creation of new housing, those local economic development agencies have that authority right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert in local IDAs, but certainly we have a lot of projects that we finance at HCR that are working with local IDAs on uh, long-term tax exemptions. So um, you know, it, it certainly is available.
0: Well, as part of the governor's recent announcement, she's also apparently directing state agencies to identify a state-owned or publicly-owned land that could qualify for new housing. What's envisioned there?
1: So as you know, there's a lot of uh, state-owned land you know, all over the state, and it's all kinds of things. There are, um, as you may have reported a-, a while back, there was a prison commission right, that was looking at um, what to do about prisons that had been closed across the state. There are psychiatric hospitals or facilities for developmentally disabled uh, young people and adults that have been downsized or closed. Um, There's sort of all manner of things. And so we have been looking over the last couple of years at a lot of those sites. We have, we've developed some of them. We're working on, on one in Brooklyn called the Brooklyn developmental center uh, that we worked on for a very long time, which was an old OPWD facility, the office for people with developmental disabilities. Um, where that facility was demolished. And now there's going to be new constructions of thousands of affordable rental and home ownership units on that site. And we're very excited about that project. Um, So it was really about making sure that all agencies are looking at their facilities to see what else is there that could be made available. But in addition to that, there's also state-owned parcels that some agencies may own, they may not need and perhaps hadn't really thought of housing as a opportunity use for them. So really, the call to some of the other agencies um, is, you know, we sort of are aware of obviously larger facilities, but where you may have smaller sites that could be conducive to residential development, the governor wants those agencies to be looking at uh, land they hold and, and see where the possibilities may be. So we're really excited about this. It certainly is something people ask us about is, you know, to what extent can the state make its land available for housing. And and so we um, uh, have been doing that and will continue to do this. And I think this will sort of bolster, bolster that effort um, across so many more agencies.
0: Are there other executive actions that the governor is considering taking in the near future when it comes to housing creation?
1: Um, this was sort of the first um, series of actions that we had started working on raid right at the end of the um, legislative session and, and even um, at the end of budget and, and obviously some of these things we've been working on for quite a while. Uh, so we were really excited to get this package out. I think we're going to get a couple of these you know, underway, whether it's the 420A replacement or getting the pro-housing community um, program up and running. And then um, for sure, we will be um, back talking, I think, about future ways we can make sure that. Um rental housing and 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 construction of housing that's affordable for people all across the state is happening where we can influence that. So um I think this is certainly part one of of additional things. Um, you know, as you know, we work in a cycle. So for sure, we will be back in in the budget uh, with a series of housing related proposals. We don't know what those are yet, but uh, for sure, the governor is not resting um until she's made sure she's done everything she can do to make sure that housing is getting created.
0: Well, when it comes to additional executive action, are you just uh, evaluating, I guess, the legality or, or scope of the governor's executive authority in certain areas, or are you still brainstorming ways to utilize executive uh, authority?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, no, look, not everything has to be done by executive action, right? There's lots of things we can just do by, by um, policy and through the governors, you know, directing the state agencies to do things. So I don't think it's a sort of fussiness per se about the legality of, of actions as much as um, really focusing actually on the policies and the changes that we're looking uh, to make and what are the right ways, the best ways to do those.
0: So are there any areas, though, where you are looking to maybe test the boundaries of the governor's executive authority? Because she has described this as a crisis. And often in crisis, we see the the testing of constitutional powers.
1: Um, Yeah, I don't think today we're sort of at a place where we feel we have something that really pushes those um, powers. Um, But we are working sort of on a series of other policies, for sure.
0: Well, finally, on that issue of housing and the need for housing being a, a crisis, which the governor has labeled it as, is there any thoughts of utilizing her powers to convene uh, an extraordinary session where she sets an agenda and makes state lawmakers take some up and down votes like on uh, an extension of 421A or, or some version of that?
1: Um, yeah, you know, I can't really speak to what they may be um, discussing as it relates to the legislature. We really you know, are focused on what are the policy tools that we were looking at uh, last year and what's the right approach um, going into the budget this year among those different policy tools to be getting at the crisis. As you said, we can't expect anything to sort of get any better unless we try to make some changes in the system and change is hard and it takes a lot of outreach. And we were on the road a lot uh, last year, you know, January to, to March and even beyond uh, talking about the need for change. And, and we will we've been doing that over the summer, we have not sort of petered out, not been as uh, probably as much um, on the road as we were back then, um, but we will be in full force, I think, in the fall, making sure we are talking to stakeholders around the state about what needs to change, what needs to happen, what are the policies we need to be talking about. So whether that's a something that needs to happen in an extraordinary session or just happens through the regular budget and legislative process, I, I don't know, um, but for sure we are... Uh, very focused on making sure that we're continuing to come up with creative ideas to address the crisis.
0: Well, we've been speaking with Ruth Ann Visnowskis. She is the Commissioner for New York Homes and Community Renewal. Commissioner, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me. Your business, agency, or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.